Ms. Adams, I'm going to ask you to please try and keep your voice up. And could you state your full name for the record? Tiffany Adams. And uh, what's your occupation, Ms. Adams? I'm an administrative assistant. You're going to need to I'm keep sorry. your voice up a little bit. I'm an administrative assistant at Sacramento Municipal Utility District. And what do you do as an administrative assistant there? I um, just transferred jobs. Um, so now I'm assisting a new project. It's called Spirit Project. It's, um, I'm sorry, but it's um, starting up a new program for our company. Do you know? I'm yes, I'm sorry. You're okay here. All right. You may, it may help a little bit if that microphone is live. If you can try to speak into it, it may help a little bit. Can you get close enough to do it? Yes. All right. Um, I think some of the jurors had trouble hearing what exactly you're doing as an administrative assistant. It's a new pro I just started working in a different department Friday, and um, it's a new program that's starting. It's a spirit project. Um, do you know Ray Caruth? Yes, I do. How do you know Ray? He's my cousin. And uh, could you describe to the members of the jury how the two of you got to know each other during the time that you were growing up? Well, Ray and I are two months apart. Um, we, since I can remember, um, started school together, kindergarten. Um, I don't think we went all the way through, like in the same classes, but I know we had kindergarten together. And um, we went to junior high school together and also high school together. And what did you do after you graduated from high school? After I graduated from high school, I, I went to work at an elementary school. And what did Ray do after he graduated from high he school? He went away to the University of Colorado. And the two of you maintained contact while you were working and he was away? We did. I want to direct your attention to the spring of 1997 when Ray was graduating from the University of Colorado. Uh, could you explain to the members of the jury, and please try to keep your voice up, uh, uh, what you decided to do at that time when Ray was getting drafted by the Panthers? Ray offered me the, um, an opportunity to go back to college. So um, uh, I decided to jump on the opportunity. And I moved with Ray to North Carolina. When you say he offered you an opportunity to go to college, what do you, what do you mean by that? He was going to pay for me to go to college. Did you and Ray move to Charlotte by yourselves, or was there someone else who moved along with you? Amber Turner and myself and Ray. And when did the three of you move to Charlotte? I came on August 4th of 1997. Theodri Carruth and myself arrived on that day. Okay. And was Amber here already? Yes, she was. And had Ray given her some 
some sum of money uh, for some purpose? I believe Ray gave her $15,000. And what was that for? To furnish our apartment. Where were you all going to be living? We were going to be living at the Cam Camden Point apartment. Is that at Phillips Place? Yes, it is. Could you describe to the members of the jury what happened when you and Ray's mom got to Charlotte? Right away, um, when meeting um, Amber Turner, um, I believe that uh, her and Theodri must have had some kind of something going because she was really rude to us when I first met her. Um, the, it was a strained relationship from the beginning. Um, we went out shopping together, all of us, and um, everything was t told um, that we weren't getting stuff right for Ray and different things like that. It just really made us feel uncomfortable. And. Did you all sort of stay in the apartment together for some period of time? We actually stayed in a hotel the first couple of days when we got there. And then after the apartment was furnished, we moved in. Was Ray living with you all at this point, or was he somewhere else? Ray was not with us. He was in NFL training camp. And what happened in terms of the relationship and this tension that you're talking about when Ray came back from his training camp? What did, how did he try to deal with that? Ray tried to mellow things out. He tried to, um, he wanted me to know that he brought by Amber down for the both of us to get along on, like so that since we were so far away from home that we'd have somebody like to relate to or just, you know, we were like, I was 3,000 miles away and she was 2,000 miles away from home. And I thought he really thought that it would work out between us, but it had the direct opposite effect. What do you mean by that? Um, Amber you, you was. Keep your I'm voice sorry. Up to the Amber was very jealous of the relationship that Ray and I had. Um, anything that we would laugh and joke about, she would walk out of the room and get on the phone and call somebody. It was just very odd for her to be jealous of a cousin relationship. I didn't get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. We'll do the best we can. Um, did you, in fact, attend school here in Charlotte? Yes, I did. And did Amber attend school? Yes, she did. And could you describe whether that improved your relationship at all during the time you were living together and try to, try to keep your voice up? No, it did not. We um, had almost the same schedule. We drove separate cars to school. Um, I came home from school, went in my room. I don't know what she did after. Um, During this time frame, what, if anything, did Ray do in terms of trying to deal with the tension or the, the problems that existed between you and Amber? 
we would go on outings together. Ray took us to Carol Wins, um, golfing, bowling, just to try to, I guess, make us have a better relationship than what we were having. At times, it, we kind of got along, but it didn't last long. What, what happened towards the end of the semester in terms of what you decided to do? I decided that I would go back home. I didn't no longer want to live like that. I didn't want to continue to be a hermit in my room. And what did Ray say? Ray kind of disagreed to the fact. Um, he wanted me to stay, and he would try to make things better. Um, however, I had already made my mind up that I was wanting to go home. And thereafter, uh, well, let me ask you, when did you actually go back to Sacramento? December 19th. Of 97? 97. And um, did Ray come back to Sacramento at some point thereafter? Yes, he did. And did he uh, sit down and have any discussions with you about what he intended to do in terms of Amber and his living situation? Yes, he did. What did he say? You know, it's not often for the truth off to show what happened thereafter in terms of who was living with him. Over him. You matched the question. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Ray let me know that Amber would not be returning because he felt that she was too immature to deal. If she couldn't deal with the relationship between he and I, how could he even talk to another female? And uh, did he ask you uh, to change your plans in any way? Yes, he did. What did he ask you to do? He asked that I come back. And what did you decide to do? I decided to stay, but then after a while, I decided to take up the opportunity again. When you say you decide to stay, you mean stay in Sacramento? Stay in Sacramento. And did there come a time when you ended up, in fact, going back to Charlotte uh, to? Uh, yes, I did. I was, Ray um, was putting together a Mother's Day concert, and he asked that I help with it. Do you remember about when that was, or exactly when that was? Um, my flight left um, March 20th. It was a red-eye flight, and I arrived March 21st of 98. What time in the morning did you get to Charlotte that day? Approximately 9 o'clock. And did anyone pick you up at the airport? I believe Ray picked me up from the airport. And where did you go? We went to um, the Point Apartments. Is that where Ray was living? Yes, it was. And who was there? Amber Turner. And could you describe what uh, conversation, if any, you had with Mr. Carruth about that and what that led to? I said, oh, no, not this again. And Ray says, she'll be leaving tomorrow. And did you decide to stay in the apartment that night or not stay in the apartment that night? I believe I called Wendy Cole to pick me up. And who is Wendy Cole? Wendy Cole was a friend of mine that I met through um, a football game. Okay. 
And did Wendy Cole come over to the apartment that morning? Yes, she did. And while Wendy Cole was at the apartment that morning, did you see the gentleman who's testified here previously, Donald Kim, uh, come to your door? Um, I didn't see the testimony. Okay. Well, did anyone come to your door? Yes, he did. Donald Kim came to my, but I didn't, I, I know I didn't see the testimony, but Donald Kim came to my door. Okay. Our door. Could you explain to the members of the jury what happened, who answered the door, what was said, uh, and what happened? If you could just turn to them and, and try to keep your voice up. The door, somebody knocked on the door, and I just opened it. I didn't really um, know who it was or anything. I just opened it wide because I thought maybe it was one of Ray's friends or something. Um, a gentleman comes into the foyer of the apartment and with a loud tone ask, well, he says, I ask you guys several times not to park in my parking stall. And as um, he repeated this, he saw Wendy and I, but he didn't see Ray. Ray came from around the counter and grabbed Mr. Lim, Kim, by his lapel and pushed him out the door. Was Mr. Kim actually in the apartment at this point? He was in the apartment. The door is kind of level. It's not the kind that you step on up to. Right. So it was kind of like he was on the the silver metal metal part of the doorway. And what was his tone of voice to you? He was very angry. He was very angry. As Ray grabbed him by his lapel, he said, you do not need to talk to these young ladies like this. And what happened then? As Ray let Mr. Kim go, Mr. Kim began explaining how his wife is, I don't recall how many months pregnant she was, and if we were parked in his driveway, he would not have time to get out and get her to the hospital on time. And um, the conversation kind of died down and we kind of understood where he was coming from and left. What was Mr. Caruso's attitude, what was Ray's attitude uh, when Mr. Kim was uh, describing this uh, concern he had? Well, Ray was upset at the fact that Mr. Kim came into the house, but once he started explaining the situation, we all kind of were like, okay, we understand, we won't park there anymore. Was there any delay in moving the car? No, it was not. How did that work? What happened? Wendy Cole went out and moved her car. And before Mr. Kim got upset, was there any delay in moving the car or an agreement to move the car? No, it was not. Wendy got right up, started towards the door when she heard him say some, they need to move their car. I want to direct your attention now to 
uh, the time period right after Sharik Adams was shot in November of 1999. During that time frame, say in the week or two after the shooting, did, um, or, or even more quickly, did uh, you get any phone calls from Amber Turner? Yes, I did. And could you explain to the members of the jury what Ms. Turner, well, first of all, do you remember when you got the call in relation to the? Uh, I don't. Okay. Can you explain to the members of the jury what Ms. Turner told you uh, in that phone conversation? Ms. Turner said that she, would, she was on her way to Charlotte to be by Ray's side. He needed her now more than ever. She believes in him. And what did you say? I said, I don't think that would be a good idea. Ray has somebody down there with him already. And what was her response? I don't care. He needs me. I know him best. And uh, did she have Mr. Caruso's address or telephone number? I'm not sure. Do you remember whether or not she asked you for him? I'm not sure. What happened uh, thereafter in terms of Amber coming to Charlotte? Well, um, Ray called me and told me that Please tell Amber do not come because there's already too many people down here and it's not enough room. Did you communicate that message? I called Mrs. Turner, I mean Amber's mom, I don't know if that's her last name, but I called her and Amber had already left. What happened next in terms of Amber and Charlotte? Amber um, came to Charlotte and um, I, with the intention on helping Ray as much as she possibly could, she left her life. She stopped going to school and she just dropped everything to come to be with Ray and support him. And uh, how did that work out once she got, got to him. Charlotte? Um, there were other people in Ray's household, I guess Ray arranged after a while because I, he probably sustained. Yes, you can only testify that. I'm sorry. Ray made arrangements to pick her up from the airport, and um, there was already a young lady there, and a, a couple young ladies there um, in Ray's house, and Amber did not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what her source of information. Were you there? No, I'm not. Sustain. Did you talk with people who were there? Yes, I did. Who did you talk with? I talked to Ray, and I talked to Tanisha, and I talked to Wendy. After Amber and Ray stopped seeing each other in uh, 
December of 97 or January of 98. Do you know whether or not Ray changed his uh, telephone numbers? Yes, he did. Uh, and do you know why he changed his phone numbers? Sure. Um, Ray would receive a lot of phone calls from Amber. And did Amber ever try to get Ray's new numbers? Yes, she did. And how did she go about doing that? Well, she would call me and ask me if I knew Ray's number. I didn't give it to her. Um, I don't know how she would go about getting her information for Ray. a letter that uh, Mr. Carruth wrote to Amber in August of uh, 19, I'm sorry, August of 2000. Uh, and in that letter, which is in evidence, uh, Mr. Carruth makes a number of comments about how he felt about his... Did you ever hear uh, uh, during the time that you were living with Ray back in 97, Ray talk about his first son and any regrets he had about that situation? Yes, he did. Uh, can you briefly share with the jury what Ray was saying about that as early as 1997? Yeah. Overall. <coughs> Ray had to, during the time of the pregnant, well, when she was um, delivering, when Michelle was delivering little Ray, Ray had to listen to it over the phone, and he really wanted to be present for that occasion. And just different things like um, him wanting to have this father-son relationship with Ray and not wanting him to be a mother's boy. During the time that you were living with Ray and uh, Amber in 97, uh, did Ray ever express concerns about where uh, support money might be going? Overall. You may answer. I, uh, can you repeat the question? I'll repeat it, yes ma'am. During the time that you were living with Ray and Amber in Charlotte, did Ray ever express concerns about where some of his child support money might be going? Yes, he would. Could you, again, briefly describe to the jury what his comments were? When Ray would go and visit Michelle, she still lived in the same two-bedroom apartment with her mother, and um, he thought that it was enough money for them to either upgrade and get Ray his own room, and um, just different things that Ray didn't have that he thought he should have. When you say Ray, you're talking about Little Ray? Little Ray. During the time that you were living with Ray and Amber in Charlotte, did Ray ever talk about uh, the issue of spending time alone with Little Ray? Yes, he did. Could you please tell the jury what his comments were about that? We have a lot of family get-togethers when Ray comes home. Um, little Ray could not come without 
Michelle being present and Michelle didn't get along with a lot of our family members so little Ray Ray would only go see little Ray with one of our relatives during the time that you were living with uh, Ray and Amber in Charlotte did Ray ever talk about the fact that uh, his disagreements with Michelle were focused more on spending time with Little Ray than on any kind of money issues. Can you please repeat the question? Yes, ma'am. During the time that you were living with Ray and Amber in Charlotte, did Ray ever comment about the fact that uh, his disagreements with Michelle Wright uh, focused on whether he could spend time alone with Little Ray as opposed to money issues? Yes. Could you share with the jury what he said about that topic? Ray wanted to spend more time without Michelle, but Michelle wanted to still have a relationship with Ray. And how did that impact on his time with Little Ray? Ray would bring other people with him so that um, Michelle wouldn't, you know, come on to him or different things that he expressed. particularly point to time in Charlotte uh, at the apartments uh, when uh, Amber was present, but I'm going to ask you more broadly, have you ever heard Ray ask whether it would be messed up if he did something to Michelle Wright? No. Have you ever heard him say anything like, would it be messed up if he hurt Little Ray? No. Have you ever heard him talking to anyone at any time about hurting Michelle or Little Ray or any other human being? No. That's all I have. Thank you, Ms. Adams. Please answer their questions. Um, oh, well, I guess you said it. It was uh, in the question that was asked to you something about uh, when the defendant uh, was graduating uh, from college. Did he graduate from college? No, he did not. He only needed one class, a Spanish class, to graduate. Had you and uh, Mr. Rudolph discussed the fact that he did not graduate? No, we did not. <laughs> did you know Alondia Cheney, the woman in uh, Atlanta that Ray Carruth wanted to marry in uh, November of the objection to the performance act. 
Well, sustained, in other words, if you ask if she knows Alondia Cheney. Did you know Alondia Cheney? No. Did you know Tanya Ferguson? No. about Sharika? No. You, um, you said that you came back to Charlotte in uh, 98, May of 98, or March of 98, I guess it was. Yes, I did. And how long did you stay that time? Three months. So by beginning of the summer of 98, you went back to California? Yes, I did. Okay. And did you ever come back to Charlotte to stay? No. Um, uh, probably to visit and when this incident occurred. When did um, Ray Carruth give you the Lexus? Um, in April of 97, my car had broke down, and he said, do not worry about it. And he was in college at that time? I believe he was out of college. Um, I think the semester had ended. Would that be the semester before he uh, was drafted? Last semester at Colorado, I guess is what I'm asking. Can you rephrase? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, was that his last semester at Colorado when he gave you the lecture? Um, yes, it was. Okay. And had that been the car that he was driving before? No, it was not. Okay. And were you aware that he had uh, bought a Lexus for uh, Amber Turner also? He did not buy a car for Amber Turner. That car was Ray's car before. Amber Turner, and then he gave that car to Amber Turner, the white Lexus to Amber Turner. Okay. Uh, were you aware he gave a Lexus to Amber Turner? Um, Amber's car and Ray, it was in Ray's name and Amber's name together. Um, where was he getting all that money for Lexuses when he was in college? I believe he... Um, they gave him, like, they, he didn't pay for my car yet until after he got his contract. How about the one that he had and that uh, he gave um, Amber. Amber? I don't know how he paid for his car. And let me see if I understand this now. When he was drafted by the Charlotte uh, Carolina Panthers, he came, he and Amber Turner moved here to Charlotte to the apartments behind Phillips Place off of Fairview. Is that right? And myself. Yeah. I understood you to say that uh, you and uh, Ms. Carruth, his mother, came later and stayed in a, a hotel or a motel at the beginning. Amber came the same day, but she was there before we were. Okay. Um, she was where before you were? She was at the hotel before we were. Okay. 
did she move into the apartment uh, after the hotel? Or did she stay in the hotel? Maybe I'm a little confused. She stayed in the hotel also. Okay, so it was you, um, the defendant's mother, uh, Amber Turner, staying in a hotel. Yes, we did. And did Ray Carruth stay in the hotel also? No, he did not. He was in the camp. But yes, he was. Okay. Well, did Ray come first and get the apartment and then Amber came? Is that how it was? The apartment was uh, um, given to, well, his apartment. I'm sorry. His agent put together something for this apartment. Ray had never seen the apartment before. Burbeck, I believe so. Um, and then Amber came to live with Ray. Is that right? Amber and myself came to live with Ray. Okay. And in addition to you, uh, Ray Cruz's mother came too. Ray Caruth's mother came in order to help put together the apartment. Well, how long was she there? Probably about a week. Okay. And then it was you and Ray and Amber Turner in the yes, apartment. Yes, it was. Together. Yes. Okay. You were talking about um, going home and uh, when when the defendant would come home um, and I'm not sure did you and the defendant grow up in together in the same household I'm not sure I understand that exactly well Ray um, lived around the corner from us for a while and then when he went to when he when we both went to high school Ray's mom had moved to um, another part of town, so Ray came and lived with us. And your mother's name is Brenda? Yes, it is. So he lived with his aunt Brenda, your mother, through high school? Not weekends, he would go home with his mother. Okay. Now he went to Texas at some point, right? Lived Junior high Texas. school. Ma'am? Junior high school? Did you go there also? No, I did not. Okay. And who did he live with in Texas? An aunt of mine. And before he went to live with the aunt in Texas, he lived with your mother and his aunt Brenda? No, he did not. Who did he live with before? His mother. Okay. And um, I'm sorry, but I never quite got this straight. Is his name Ray Wiggins or Ray Carruth? Well, Jackson, that's the question. I never quite got this straight. We've been operating in this trial for 11 weeks, Your Honor. Well, sustain. Well, let me rephrase it. Is the defendant's name Ray Wiggins or Ray Carruth? I know Ray as Ray Carruth. Okay. Do you know where the name Ray Wiggins comes from? We found that out as we got older and Ray, Ray's mother and stepfather had divorced and um, we found out that Ray Carruth was... Um, Sam Caruth's last name, and um, uh, Wiggins is his his um, biological father's last name. Okay. How about Raheem Akbar? That's nothing that I know about.
Mike, that's all I have. I have a couple. Yeah, a couple questions. I know you're anxious to get off. Um, you said that uh, you stayed with Mr. Carruth for about three months, beginning in March of '98. Yes, I did. Did you ever hear anything about an alleged pregnancy and abortion by Amber Turner? No, I did not. In all the time that has gone since then, up until last Friday when she got on the witness stand? No, I did not. What do you know about a pregnancy by Amber Turner? Amber was pregnant, um, I believe, in October of 97. And um, I believe she was approximately eight, six to eight weeks. Um, Ray and her had came back from a doctor's appointment where Ray told me that Amber had. Do you know from either Ray or from Amber what happened to that pregnancy? Amber and Ray went to the hospital and the doctor said that, well, Ray told me that the doctor said that Amber had spotting and there was no longer a fetal heartbeat. That's all I have, thank you. Identify yourself for the court reporter. Van Brett Pierre Watkins Sr. You were supposed to be here as a state's witness, weren't you, Mr. Watkins? Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, right up to uh, just before the trial, you uh, expected that uh, the prosecutors would be calling you as part of their case, didn't you? Not necessarily, sir. Well, that was your deal that you made back in July, right? That you were going to be their witness? Yes, sir. But they decided not to call you, right? Yes, sir. And uh, you, uh, you've been diagnosed, haven't you, as a, having an antisocial personality disorder? No, sir. You've never been told that? No, sir. Well, you were in prison in New York, weren't you? Yes, sir. And uh, you did go to mental health up in New York, didn't you, at the prison system there? Yes, sir. Excuse me? Yes, sir. And uh, they evaluated you, for example, before you went for your parole hearings and things like that? If they did, I didn't get the report myself. It just went to my parole officer. So I didn't know what they diagnosed me as. Well, sir, didn't you request a copy of all of your psychiatric records while you were there in prison? When? In New York, sir. That was some 15, 20 years ago, sir. Well, actually, it was in 1987, wasn't it? I'm not sure. I've been in a prison twice. Yeah, my question was, didn't you request, while you were in prison in New York, an opportunity to review your mental health record? I don't remember. Marcus. 
By the way, sir, uh, are you taking any medications uh, currently? No, not today. When was the last time you took medication? Yesterday. What did you take? Thorazine and Cinequan. Does that sort of calm you down? Excuse me? Does the Thorazine sort of calm you down? Yeah. When you don't take your Thorazine, you get a little excited, right? No, sir. show you two pages from uh, the New York State Office of Mental Health. You all have See this memorandum here, marked September 11th of 1989? Yes, sir. About patient requesting information about obtaining access to his record? Does it say I've received a copy? Well, take a look right here. See, Mr. Watkins, you've been granted permission to review your mental health record. Remember Did I that? sign a copy of it? Well, I'm asking you whether you remember now, having looked at this, requesting an opportunity to look at your mental health records. No. This does refresh your recollection about that. No. How about this letter right here that you wrote and signed? Does that refresh your memory? Is that your signature? No, nah, that refreshes my memory. Well, that's good. Is that your signature? Yeah, I see that. So now that refreshes your memory? Yes, sir. And in uh, August of 1989, did you request, did you, did you write to the Office of Mental Health, Bureau of Forensic Services in Albany? Yes, I see by that letter I did. Uh, and uh, that was August 14th at 11.50 p.m. you wrote the letter? Yep. And you told them you wish to obtain a copy of your complete mental health, mental record, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. At the time, you were being held in the special housing unit, right? Yeah. That was called the box, right? You're going to need to answer verbally for the record. Yes. And you asked for the copies to be forwarded to you, didn't you? Yeah. Now, sir, is it not true that when you looked at those records, what you found was that you had been diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder? I didn't read that in the record, sir. See this thing that says special housing unit? Yes, sir. Dated 22489? Yes, sir. It's a screening admission report? Yes, sir. 
And you were put in the box because uh, you uh, lit a fire in the cell block, didn't you? That wasn't the exact reason, but it's similar. And uh, when they uh, put you in the box, they uh, filled, the psychologist filled out a form, didn't he? Uh, this form that uh, is labeled screening admission report? Yes, sir. And isn't it a fact that under diagnosis, they put anti-social personality? That's one, one uh, opinion. An inmate may be a danger to others. That's one opinion. Well, it was the opinion of the psychologist who evaluated you at the prison, right? I had about six evaluations. Well, and every single one of them found antisocial personality disorder, didn't they? There's one there, one there, I mean, did you ever get found not to have an antisocial personality disorder? Yeah, you, you described three. I said approximately six of them. I see. So you have three that you haven't produced yet, sir. I see. Well, there's a few here that just don't have anything written in, right? Like I said, it was six of them approximately. Now, so you called out three. Uh-huh. Now... Let me ask you, sir, uh, if, uh, if the psychologists in what's called DSM-4, if they describe antisocial, antisocial personality disorder as involving a pervasive pattern of disregard for and violation of the rights of others, that would describe you, wouldn't it? That would describe what them three people stated in their records. Well, no, that would describe your life, wouldn't it? No. How about deceit and manipulation are central features of antisocial personality disorder? Would that apply to you, deceit and manipulation? What does that mean? Deceit, lying. Lying? Manip yeah, lying and trying to manipulate people to do what you want them to do. No. How about aggression to people? Would that be something that uh, would fit you? What does that mean? Aggression, violence, being violent towards people. If it's a violent situation, it could get violent. How about uh, lying, using an alias? I that used an alias you? before. Uh, pattern of impulsivity. What does that mean? That means that you, like, just act without thinking. Oh, really? Well, I'm just asking you whether that fits you or not. No, sir. Decisions made on the spur of the moment without consideration for the consequences to self or others. Does that fit you? No, sir. Tend to be irritable and aggressive. Does that fit you? No, sir repeatedly get into physical fights or commit acts of physical assault, including spouse beating? 
Does that fit you? Spouse beating. Yeah. No, no sir. Display a reckless disregard for the safety of themselves or others? No, sir. Show little remorse for the consequences of their acts? Does that fit you? No, sir. Blame the victims for being foolish, helpless, or deserving their fate? Does that fit you? What do you mean by that, sir? When you commit an act that hurts another person, do you blame the victim for deserving their fate? That doesn't sound logical at all. You believe that everyone's out to help number one and that you should stop at nothing to avoid being pushed around? Does that fit you? You said to help number one? To help you. You think everyone's out to help themselves and that you ought to stop at nothing to avoid being pushed around? Does that fit you? No, sir. Are you a callous, cynical, and contemptuous of the feelings, rights, and sufferings of others? No, sir. Do you display a glib, superficial charm? You, you, you can be charming, can't you, sir? I could be anything I want to be. Right. Depending on what's needed, right? No. When you, uh, you were seen by a mental health person here in Mecklenburg County, weren't you? Yes, sir. And uh, did they note that you had antisocial personality disorder? You have to tell me you have the record. Let me show you uh, <clears throat> Mecklenburg Correctional Care Progress Notes for September 8th of 2000. What does it say? Well, I'm asking you whether that refreshes your recollection about whether you were found by them to have antisocial personality disorder. I see what it says here. That's what it says right here. I'm just, I'm asking you whether that refreshes anything in your mind, sir. No, sir. You said that uh, acting impulsively, I think the way uh, I asked it before was uh, a pattern of impulsivity, that that didn't sound like you? That sounded like me in the past. In the past. Well, were you ever hospitalized in a psychiatric unit for impulse control problems? What is impulse control problems? <clears throat> controlling your impulses, controlling urges that you have to act in certain ways. Were you ever put in a psychiatric hospital about that? If it was, it was many years ago. I'm not asking you how long ago it was, sir. I'm asking you whether or not that happened. Yes, many years ago. Kings County Hospital back in New York, right? Correct? You're correct. 
you had a problem with controlling your impulses, didn't you? Which mean behavior or typical attitude? Talking about controlling your behavior, your hurtful behavior towards others. You had a problem with that, didn't you? No, not necessarily. I would have to be pushed to the point. I see. So they put you in the hospital because you had to be pushed to the point of doing something? I went to the psychiatric hospital to avoid going to the prison. It was a trick of the trade, okay? So instead of me going to the jailhouse, it was a softer cushion if I go to the psychiatric. So I manipulated the system. Everything that you read in the file, I led them to believe that so I could get out of serious time. They didn't state that I had an IQ of above average, did they? Or they, did, they didn't state that um, I have many different trades, carpentry, plumbing, electricity. They didn't state all that. So you just have one side of the fence, Mr. Rudolph. You have to look at both sides of the fence to deal with me. So you manipulated the system, is that what you did? Yes, sir. In order to uh, avoid doing harder time? Yes, sir. And when I asked you before whether deceit and manipulation were things that sort of characterized you, didn't you say no? That was a child's game. That's not now, okay? I retired from all that. I left New York City. So I retired from all that you see in them records. What you hold in them records is not who I am now. We have to get to now. Well, we're going to get to now in a little while, sir, but we're going to start with then, all right? You can. By the way, did you have a nickname when you were in the New York State prison system? I had many nicknames in the New York State prison system. And one of them was Bug Out, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was a reference to the fact that you would often bug out on people, right? It was, uh, that was more along the humorous lines. Humorous? Of Bug Out because I tell a lot of jokes, okay? And so, they so he's bugging out. He's bugging out, he's yeah. telling a lot of jokes? Taking a lot of jokes, always got something smart and happy to say. I see. Always making a joke out of something. And so somehow that got transformed into bug out? Yeah, it's bug out nature, wild and crazy guy. They called me that also, okay? Crazy, not meaning literally crazy, though. Wild and crazy, but not literally? Yeah, wild. 730, they call it up there. Excuse me? They call it 730 up there. 730? Yes, sir. What does that mean? That's when you have a mental observations in the courts of New York State. They'll give you a 730 evaluation. Uh-huh. Okay? Uh-huh. So the 730 evaluation that held for me never got proven. Is that one of those things you were trying to do to manipulate the system? I manipulated the system and 
went to, to the mental hospital, and once I found that the people really do have problems in the mental hospital, I got back on the right track. Well, sir, let's talk about now. You said that was the past. You're now a new person, right? Is that what you're saying? I paid my debt to society in New York State. Yeah, I understand that, but I'm talking about your psychiatric condition. I'm talking about your antisocial personality disorder. I'm talking about all conditions. You're a new person now. Been a new person. Well, is it true, sir, that on November 26th of 1999, two days after you were arrested in this case, you told detention officers that you were going to kill him the first chance you get? I said many things that morning. Did you threaten to flood your cell? I flooded my cell. Did you threaten to defecate on yourself and urinate on yourself and throw it on the officers? Not on myself, but on the officers. And you said you were going to kill him, right? No. You think that, that that's uh, evidence of your new mental health, that you threatened to defecate and throw it on the officers? I've just been brought in for a serious case. I woke up at 4.30 that morning, and they said, you're not allowed to get in the covers. I was freezing. I told the officer kindly and nicely, please, I'm freezing. I have no underwear. And they laughed at me. So they came and took my mattress, procedures that I'm not used to other than New York State. So I said many things, and I'll say many things, okay? But what I mean, or I'm trying to get attention. So I got the attention that I got that day, and then they gave me the necessary uh, assistance. So if, for example, uh, trying to get attention is a, uh, one of the, uh, attributes of antisocial personality disorder, that's one that you do have, right? You like to get attention? I said that morning I was trying to get attention. Oh, I see. Let me show you what's been marked as Exhibit 148. And direct your attention, sir, to the bottom of it where it says inmate Watkins also threatens to defecate on himself. You see that? I would be crazy then. Then I would be crazy if I defecate on myself. I'd be the first one to say that I'm crazy. And are you saying that detention officer Baker is simply lying about that? That's not the only officer you have on your side that's lying about something either. My question was whether or not Detention Officer Baker, when she wrote this report on 11-26-99, before she knew who I was, 
was lying. The officer came and took my mattress. Okay, she was mad that the cell got flooded. She exaggerated her statement. Some of it is true, some of it is not. She lied. Some of it is true, some of it is not. How about the part where Washington stated he will kill an officer and or make an officer kill him? Is that true? I said it. When you were uh, up in prison in New York, uh, you uh, were violent in prison up there, weren't you? If the situation got violent. We talked earlier about whether uh, it was true of you <clears throat> that uh, you show little remorse for the consequences of your acts. Remember that? I asked you whether that was yeah, true of you. I remember you said that. And you said, no, that wasn't true. It's not true. Have you ever heard the 911 tape of Sharika Adams after you pumped four bullets in her. You ever listen to that, sir? Did you ever hear what I heard that night with your client break roof, threaten me to do? Okay, along with them two other boys, did you see all the, the stuff that he done destroyed? And I'm sure you were really afraid that night, sir, given... Oh, I was very afraid of Ray Roof. I, 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 I can understand that. We're going to get to that. I'm very but, afraid of Ray Roof. But, but, but if you was there that night, okay, the 911 call, that's after the fact. But if you was there <clears> that night, and if you would have heard... What she went through that night, okay, which I have to live with every day, okay? Every day I have to live with that. And no sine qua no thirsting could take that away from me. Did you ever listen to the 911 tape. I heard some of it on the news, sir. You did. Your Honor, may we have the 911 tape? Yes, Never played the whole thing for you, huh? 
sir. Excuse me, sir. Your lawyers never played the tape. I heard it partially on the news. So the answer is no, they didn't. Right? May Mr. Ward assist? Uh, that would be excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. transcripts if they do not have them? Uh, I don't think they need transcripts for what I need to get across. Well, it, it's Mr. Rudolph's examination this yes, time. The date of this case is 11-1699. The time now, 00-3154. say to detention officer Griffin two weeks after you caused that I hope the bitch dies did you say that that's the bitch I was talking about oh I see Craig Roof. oh that's the bitch I was referring to who got me into this oh okay this is the bitch I was referring to he didn't stand up. I stood up for mine. I said, I did it. Mm -hmm. I did it because he made me do it. Okay? He made the other two also do it. Okay? That's your client, the bitch. At the time that you made that statement, Sharika Adams was fighting for her life, right? Did the captain tell you what happened that day? My question is, Sharika Adams was fighting for her life, wasn't she? She was, but this, this wasn't about Sharika Adams. It was about the person who got me involved in all this. For six months, your client did this. This wasn't a one-day affair. It was for six months he dragged me into something that I didn't want to be involved with. Your client. Now, have you ever referred to women as 
bitches? It's not a... It's not uh, something I would do all the time. If I did it, I did it in anger. I said, right. If you were angry at a woman, you'd say, you bitch, right? Yeah. But if a dude acts like a bitch, okay, like your client, the insult doubles I than see. with a woman. There it is. Uh -huh. who, who didn't stand up, who didn't say, look, I did this. Look, I am sorry. I did this. I'm going to, I'm going to, what he said was, I'm going to save myself after the murder. Uh -huh. You're defending were you, this. Were you, were you hoping that Miss Adams died? I got a second degree murder charge the rest of my life in prison. If she would have lived, I wouldn't have the rest of my life in prison. Sir. So you could answer that question. Here are the rules here. I ask the questions Objection. and you answer them. Well, don't argue with the witness. I want you to listen to my question and then answer the question that I ask you. You understand that? Yes, sir. On December 1st, did you say to Detention Officer Griffin, quote, I hope the bitch dies? Is yeah. that what you said? Yes, I did. November 16th, 1999, wasn't the first time that you'd shot another human being, was it? Yes, it was the first time I first shot time. a human being. Well, you remember back in... Uh, March of 1983, March the 2nd of 1983, you and two other persons riding around in a residential neighborhood, hanging out in a residential neighborhood with houses and people walking around and you firing a gun and shooting somebody, an innocent passerby, in the face. You remember that? What happened that day was, I got in a fight. Uh-huh. The dude belonged to a motorcycle gang. Mm -hmm. The motorcycle gang came back to the block. Once they came back to the block, a shootout ensued. A man behind me got shot in the face. Okay, he was an insurance agent, to be exact. Okay, so I wasn't shooting in that direction. Now, if it would have happened on the other side, that would have been my fault. But that was the people that were shooting at me fault. That was uh, Rafael Corbello, Corbella, right? Correct? You're correct. 
He actually ended up needing uh, plastic surgery, didn't he? Excuse me? He ended up needing plastic surgery to repair the damage to his face. I don't know face. what happened to him after the incident. Well, didn't you care? At that time, I didn't care about nobody. I was young then. And uh, that did occur in a residential neighborhood, didn't it? Yes, it did. 52 houses on the block. Lots of innocent people around there, right? I didn't shoot nobody that time. I wasn't convicted for shooting anybody at no time, ever. Now, you were able to manipulate the system and get yourself a plea to possession of a weapon, weren't you? They don't do that in New York. If you shot somebody, you're going to get time for that. Okay, well, I had the gun. That's what they could verify, that I did have a gun, that I do, did shoot, okay, in the residential neighborhood. But they couldn't say that I shot the man because the man was behind me. Have a seat or step outside, please. Well, sir, you did, by the way, people don't get time in New York for simple possession of a gun, do they? Yes, they do. They do? Yes, they do. Well, you ended up, sir, with uh, jail time for that, didn't you? State time. State time. All my time has been state time. Hard time. Hard time. Now, in addition to that particular offense, you, you've possessed guns in connection with possessing drugs before, haven't you? No, sir. My thing was guns, not drugs. Not drugs? I wasn't a drug seller, no. I were wasn't drug, a drug Were you dealer. a drug user? Yes, I used drugs before. Uh, used angel dust? I used all kind of drugs before. Cocaine? Cocaine, heroin. Crack? Crack. I used everything when the fad came out. And uh, back in... 1982, you, uh, for example, were convicted of having a gun in connection with having some marijuana, weren't you? A couple of bags of marijuana in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And and uh, in connection with those cases, you. I'm talking now about the case where the guy was behind you and this mar marijuana, couple bags of marijuana. That wasn't the same incident. No, I know. It was two different crimes, right? Two different incidents. And uh, you ended up with two different felonies, didn't you? That's right. And in connection with those two cases, you threatened to kill witnesses who were going to testify against you didn't you? Yeah. And what you did in that situation 
was that you assaulted a fellow by the name of Chuck Jones, didn't you? Yeah. And uh, you uh, threatened to kill a woman by the name of Rosinia Watts. Remember yeah. her? Yes, sir. You threatened to kill her? Yes, sir. Threatened to kill her two sons? Yes, sir. That was to prevent them from giving testimony against you, wasn't it? Those are drug dealers. My question, sir, was, what, did you threaten to kill Rosinia Watts and her two sons to prevent them from giving testimony against you? I was angry, and I said I would kill her. So I was just blowing wind, okay? In all my incidents that I did crime, I never killed nobody until the time that your client had me kill Sharika Adams. In that incident, sir, the one we're talking about, did you barricade your own grandmother and her nurse into a room for three hours? I put my grandmother and the maid in a room out of the line of fire. Did you barricade them in a room for three hours? No, I put them in a room. I barricaded the premises. I put them in a room out of the line of fire and barricaded the front door as well as the back door. Well, you got charged with unlawful imprisonment. They dismissed unlawful imprisonment. You got charged with unlawful imprisonment for barricading your own grandmother. They dismissed it because once my grandmother and the maid testified. Grandma came through for you. Picture that. If I would have did something like that, not only would have my brothers and sisters would have turned against me, but my grandmother and mother would have turned against me also. And in that situation, you also threatened to kill a police officer, didn't you? Two police officers. And you uh, threatened them with a knife, right? And a barbecue fork? You're going to need to answer for the record. Yes. And a hammer. Yes. Right? And uh, <clears throat> you, in fact, assaulted and injured Officer Michael Zampella, didn't you? How did I do that, sir? Refresh my memory. show you a warrant sworn to by Michael A. Zampella on September 14, 1985, before a notary public, and ask you whether or not it's true 
that you assaulted Officer Zampella by striking and hitting him with your clenched fists while the officer was in the process of breaking up a fight of you and Chuck Jones. Is that true? The fight was between me and Brand. Chuck Jones was the sideline in the fight. He was sideline. He the one who called the police. So I struck Chuck Jones also. So if the officer got hit in the process, I don't remember. Is it true, sir, as the officer wrote here, that uh, you locked your grandmother and her nurse, Marie Louise Roland, in a room and restrained Linda Scott Brown for about three hours by intimidation? Who's Linda Scott Brown? You don't know? No. The maid and my grandmother, I put them out the line of fire because the house was surrounded. So I put him out the line of fire, and I barricaded the front door, the back door, and the side door. You don't remember a Linda Scott Brown being there? No. Who is Linda Scott Brown? Well, I don't know, sir. This is your criminal record, not mine. For those three felonies, you, you did plead guilty to three separate felonies in connection with these various <coughs> crimes, didn't you? Ran concurrent. Yeah, I, I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh, you did plead guilty to three separate felonies, correct? They was ran concurrent. I'm not asking you about the sentence now. I'm asking you whether or not at the end of this series of events, you had not one felony conviction, not just two felony convictions, but three it felony convictions. It came out to be two felony convictions. Excuse me? It came out to be two felony convictions. Well, sir. Let me show you a transcript of your sentencing. <coughs> you were sentenced on December 20th of 1983 for these various crimes, weren't you? That was one sentence. And uh, you see here that uh, they're saying under indictment 3308 of 1983, the defendant entered a plea to attempted assault in the second degree as a Class E felony. See that? Yeah, I see it. That's one. Under indictment 3431 of 1982, the defendant entered a plea to attempted criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree as a Class E felony. See that? Yeah. That's two, right? Under indictment 0859 of 1983, defendant entered a plea to attempted criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree as a Class D felony. That's three. Okay, again, in New York State, like the incident I'm involved with now, they have five different charges. But in New York State, 
they consolidated into one. So that felony that he's talking about here is one, then 1986 is two. Did you plead guilty to three separate felonies, yes or no? Yes, but you still got to understand. And what you were sentenced to was one and a half to four and a half years to be served concurrently. In other words, you had one sentence that covered all three felonies, didn't you? Again, you have to get with New York law, it's one felony is for that. I actually practice New York law, debate New York law right now. You might not be practicing much longer after this case. Now, by the way, you said you didn't shoot this person. Let me show you this arrest worksheet done up by the uh, police officer. See where it says here at time, place, defendant did while engaging in a gunfight with others, did shoot a person? not involved and unknown to all parties concerned, person shot in the face. Was I, was I charged for that? My question is, is that what the police officer wrote in the report? Police officer could say anything. Did they prove that, sir? Was the police officer lying in his report? I was the hot boy back then. So they would have lied anything about the Watkins. I was the youngest Watkins boy. And I was in trouble constantly. They thought I was going to be dead by 17. Okay, so they would have said anything, the 105th precinct, to get me off the streets. Yes, they would have lied. 